Travels with Charlie is paid for by Jolly Convenience Stores, Milne Travel American Express, and Casella Waste. The views and opinions expressed in Travels with Charlie do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to WDEV at RadioVermont.com. Well, it's all about all the folks you meet. Sitting in a diner or out in the street. Catch up with the news. Get your point of view. I want to hear what unravels. I'll see you in my travels. And good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Travels with Charlie. My guests are trying to figure out the song because I, I, I mentioned uh, before we went on the air that Corm and I like to do this little thing where he tries to stump the band, see if he can fool me with a with a song. That's an original song. It was actually written for me by my good friend Billy Bratcher of the Starline Rhythm Boys. Uh, and Billy also wrote uh, the original song for the, o- the old Charlie and Ernie show. He did that song as well. So um, I'll, I'll introduce you to my guests uh, in just a moment. Uh, first, I hope, hope you're all enjoying this uh, heat wave. Uh, man, it's been, I think we've had four or five days straight in a row with 90-degree temperatures. I have to give a shout-out to the state parks in Vermont. I know a lot of you like to go camping this time of year. Grand Isle State Park, I was there last week, which is very interesting because it was more than 50 years since I've been there. I went there as a child with my with my uh, neighborhood friends. Uh, lots of changes there, certainly. Very, very beautiful area. Uh, and, you know, one of the things, and I, I think our, my Next guest are both Vermonters as well, original Vermonters here, and we can ask this question as well if you've ever bathed in the lake with a bar of soap, because back in the day, that's the way you did it. No one was doing that now, you know. You, we've we've gone full, we've come a long ways to have showers and things there. You don't need to do that. Uh, hope you get to enjoy the outdoors. Thanks to the sponsors of Travels with Charlie, because this show would not be happening without their their help. Jolly Convenience Stores, Creamies now, man. Warm weather, get on out there. A lot of the stores have. Creamies uh, and hot coffee and cold drinks and sandwiches and snacks. And, of course, fill up your car. Jolly convenience stores. Casella Waste Systems. Casella.com. Zero Sort Recycling. Helping to keep it out of the landfill. And Milne Travel American Express. Been doing that since 1975. MilneTravel.com. And also thanks to my friend uh, Tom Frechette from Catamount North. If you need a truck cap for your vehicle, that's the guy to see. CatamountNorthVT.com. 65 Dorset Lane in Williston. Well, again, thanks for joining me here on Travels with Charlie. Coming up on today's show, our continuing series, Vermont Grown. One of, uh, if not the first winery in Vermont, Julie Lane of Snow Farm Vineyards uh, will be joining me today on the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Sam Nikolai, he is the Vice President of Engineering and Compliance on the Management and Disposal of Hazardous Waste. But my first guest, as I've alluded to today, um, one has been the Adjutant General of the Vermont National Guard since 2019. Won't you please welcome Major General Gregory Knight. Major General, good afternoon. Thank you for good joining afternoon. us. Thanks for having me. Uh, also in studio, joined by Captain Michael Arkovich, who spells his name so I would mispronounce it, Mikkel, but he says it's Michael. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Public Affairs Officer. Thank you both for joining me. So, both from Vermont. I've been here for 36 years. 36? From, from Virginia. Okay. But came up here and just loved it. Great place to raise kids. Great place to live. 
and I've been very fortunate to, to be here for that long. Do you bathe in the lake uh, in Virginia with soap? Uh, no. No. <laughs> I've done, but I've done that here. You have done it uh, here. Yes, okay. Michael, how about you? Uh, I've, I, there was one time after a very warm golf match that my best friend and I went out in the lake. And uh, I don't know if there was soap, but we definitely rinsed off. Uh, okay. We definitely rinsed off. <laughs> All right. Well, well, great to have you here today. Uh, by the way, open phone lines at 244-1777 or 1-877-291-TALK if you care to uh, to join our guests. You both recently returned uh, from Vienna, Austria, formalized our partnership between the Republic of Austria and Vermont. Let me ask you, Major General, why is that important? And this isn't something new that just happened recently. No, it's not. The uh, state partnership program is a National Guard program, and it's unique across our military. Uh, Currently, there are 93 partnerships across the globe. Um, Everywhere you look, uh, many states like Vermont have multiple partnerships. Uh, We've been with Macedonia, now North Macedonia, for 29 years. We've been with Senegal. We're going into our 15th year uh, with the Republic of Senegal, and most recently now uh, with Austria. Our Austrian delegation was here in May, uh, visited with the governor, did a roundtable with them, uh, highlighted the potential of the program, but uh, very, very honored and proud of our guard to have been selected. So you've already had, as you mentioned, this long-standing uh, partnership, in fact, for more than 30 years with the Vermont National Guard Army Mountain Warfare School in Jericho. So you, you can sort of see the tie in there with with Vermont weather and, and Austrian weather. Mm-hmm. So that partnership uh, started with the Mountain Warfare School as we started to build that here in Vermont. This goes back to 1983. Uh, the first place we reached out was the Army of the Republic of Austria. Um, they obviously have significant expertise, um, and they've been really uh, partners with us since then uh, through the International Association of Military Mountaineering Schools. Um, of interest, we also work with them on a, uh, I call it a multilateral engagement, but trilateral um, in Senegal. Um, Austria has been there since 2017 working on physical security and stockpile management, so helping the Senegalese army reduce their stockpile of expired munitions. And that's been our Air Guard uh, EOD folks working with them, as well as North Macedonian EOD specialists. Vermont Guard members and Austrians also served together last year when deployed to Kosovo. Can you talk a little bit about that? So that's a fascinating mission for us. It's been there uh, for 22 years. Um, Our folks recently returned, working with 27 different nations and peacekeeping operations. Um, Austria and their their leaders there were a part of that uh, that mission. Let's uh, talk about the challenges that uh, families feel in deployment. We have some uh, troops uh, currently deployed. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But what sort of resources are there to to help and to reassure the families as well as the Guard members? Well, it starts with our family readiness groups. Those are uh, built... Within the unit, um, those are spouses and significant others that uh, make sure that the lines of communication stay open. Our Family Readiness Center, our family programs uh, for the Vermont National Guard, uh, pretty robust. Uh, Senator Sanders has been central to us making sure we received adequate funding that all of our soldiers and airmen get the resources they need, and that's inclusive of their families. So we do yellow ribbon programs prior to deployment, uh, make sure we share information with them and all the resources they have at their disposal should they need them. We'll do a mid-tour, and then again at the end, we do a welcome home yellow ribbon program. Yeah. And that's very important, uh, certainly, to, to reassure uh, the guard member as well as the family. And with the guard member, you've got an individual, but families can be you know, multiple numbers of people. It's partners, it's spouses, it's, it's children, it's brothers, it's sisters. That's, that's, that's a fact. Uh, and I, I would 
I'm open with anybody about this. It takes a special person to serve in the Guard. Uh, we have a dual mission. So as you've seen in the past two years of COVID, uh, we've been in support of the governor and Vermonters in our response. And then uh, we do that while concurrently training for, preparing, and actually deploying in support of our federal mission. And it just takes special people to do that, um, including families. We can't do it without families sure. and supporting employers. Absolutely. We just can't. Uh, some uh, troops uh, returning uh, in September, am I correct on that? So we're anticipating we've got um, our fighter wing right now, a significant number of our fighter, about 250 of our airmen are, are deployed uh, in support of the NATO air policing mission, in support of European command, mm-hmm. the combatant commander. And they should be returning. We're anticipating August. Don't have a hard timeline yet, but once we have that and we're able to publish it, we'll get that out to everybody. Vermont National Guard recently completed the COVID-19 response mission. That's all done now. Am I correct on that? Uh, many of these centers have been closed. Uh, um, started in March of 2020. Can you tell us about some of the tasks that they performed? They did a little bit of everything. Um, we did vaccines. We assembled Test kits, I think somewhere north of a million test kits. We sent those out across the state, the Strategic National Stockpile Warehouse. We ran that, um, distributing uh, literally millions of of personal protective equipment items uh, across the state. Um, We built twice, actually, an alternate care facility uh, in Essex. And what's interesting about that is we built that from design by our Air Guard civil engineers. And then once it was designed and built, we put it together at the fairground in the course of a week. It was modular. It had power to every single bed, had lighting at every single bed, had nurses stations, deep sinks, and it was inclusive of a negative air pressure COVID pod to prevent the rest of the facility uh, from being contaminated should we have taken uh, COVID patients. And what happens to all of that? Where is all of that uh, that infrastructure, that structure, uh, in case it ever needs to be used again for something else? So we built it twice because there was a surge, yeah. and we wanted to be able to help in the event of a surge, uh, you know, overflow. It's what we call the step-down facility um, to relieve the pressure on hospitals. Uh, once we broke it down and the mission ended, uh, my understanding as of last week, that, that all of that will be donated. How much of a challenge was that whole period? Because uh, as we've seen in the past when the National Guard will help out with, uh, with, a, with a disaster that happens instantaneously, you've got a, whether it's a hurricane or, you know, a weather disaster, uh, happens quickly and, you know, the cleanup, it doesn't take, um, you know, a week, but maybe a little bit longer than that. But, you know, this was years. Uh, and, and it was all new. When you mention having to build things and, and, uh, you know, you're being called upon to do vaccinations, uh, I'm, I'm wondering how many people ever thought that that would be, uh, something that, you know, when you sign up that we're going to be doing this. Well, you know, it's in our motto. <laughs> always ready, always there. Yeah. Um, we've got some amazing folks in this organization, and their adaptability, their work ethic, uh, their willingness to give back to their community is, is pretty remarkable. Um, everybody stepped up and came together, whether it's Air Guard or Army Guard. We worked very closely with our state partners uh, in state government and certainly uh, kept the governor and his staff informed about what we were doing. Yeah. Would you say that you learned a lot from uh, that COVID experience? Oh, Absolutely. Um, and we're in the business of always becoming better. Yeah. Um, so we're in the midst right now of doing what we call an after-action review, where we can identify shortcomings, what we did well. Let's sustain that. But if there were shortcomings in communications or, or areas that we need to reinforce, we'll focus on that.
My guest today on Travels with Charlie, Major General uh, Greg Knight, is Adjutant General of the Vermont National Guard, along with uh, with Michael Arkovich. He is the uh, Captain Michael Arkovich, the uh, Public Affairs Officer. Uh, jump right in, Michael. We'd, we'd love to hear from you as well. Uh, but I, I do want to talk with uh, with the Major General because I know that you've served as Recruiting and Retention Commander in the past. And what can you tell us about the challenges of recruiting now? especially in a state that has a very small population of youth. We hear about youth that they graduate from high school and they, they tend to go to college out of state and they don't come back. It's, it's a very gray state. It's, it's a complex undertaking and it's competitive. Um, we're in the business like anybody else of bringing folks and, and doing our own force development. We have to recruit our own, and that's a unique guardism. Um, I just can't reach back to Human Resources Command and say, hey, send me some more infantry. Yeah. We have to make our own. Um, to that end, we have a number of significant incentives. Um, recently, just the past session, we've improved our education entitlement uh, for the Guard. For me, it's one of the best in the nation. Uh, we now, in exchange for service, we will pay for your bachelor's degree. We'll pay for a second bachelor's degree. We'll pay for an advanced degree. Um, we've gotten the tuition rate to align with UVM's in-state tuition, so a little north of $17,000 a year. And it's not limited to just college. If you want to go the trades route, you can join the Guard, and we will pay for as many certificate-producing programs as 17000 will buy you in a year. And if you look across our Guard, I mean, we've got folks taking advantage of it. Um, there's a concurrent process. You're in the Guard. Your professional military education continues in order to advance. Uh, similarly, we want folks to achieve their, their civil education, sure. their civilian education, and, and that's what this is designed to do. But that's a significant uh, incentive for me. Captain Michael Arkovich uh, with us as well here on Travels with Charlie. Captain, l- let me ask you, because, uh, you know, people think of the Guard and they think, uh, you know, you serve uh, for, uh, it's, it can be a, a full-time or a, a sort of a part-time gig with you. It's full-time now, but it wasn't always. Can you kind of explain how you went from part-time to full-time and what you did uh, prior? In fact, you were telling me before we went on the air, you were a school teacher. Yeah, that's right. Um, I was a Burlington High School teacher for nine years, and uh, when I was growing up, I both my grandparents were serve, service members. One was in the Air Force, one was a Marine. So there was always a propensity to serve, and uh, I guess it was – before I got married, I think I saw the writing on the wall that I this was my opportunity if I wanted to to serve in the military that I had to do it now before I start having a family and um, you know just to make sure that I, I, I fulfilled that that desire. Um, so I joined the guard, um, fully expected it to be part time service. Yeah. Um, I was going to do my eight years and be proud to have served and then been done with it. And um, I was teaching at Burlington, lost my job from uh, some uh, budget cutbacks, and then uh, didn't know what to do, and I had some amazing leadership at the time. Was the Major General uh, the, the recruitment commander at the time? Uh, <laughs> pretty close, actually. Yeah? I texted him a picture the other day of a letter <laughs> when I joined the Guard from him as Major Greg Knight, not Major General Greg Knight, welcoming to the Guard. Um, and uh, But he wasn't in my chain of command at the time, but the um, two people that were – my leaders at the time were incredible, just excellent mentors, and they advised me to seek uh, full-time uh, employment in the Guard. And mm. one thing led to another, and here I am. Can can either one of you explain how you know employers' cooperation? Because when you're asked to 
to serve, uh, you know, whether it's a deployment or it's just, uh, you know, the, the, the usual, uh, tour that you have to do. And you gotta, you gotta have to get time off from work. How does that work out? So we appreciate everything that our supporting employers do for us. Cause again, like I said up front, we, we can't do our jobs without them. Uh, ideally, when a member has their training schedule, they'll know a, a year in advance. Um, same thing with on the odd occasion where there's a short notice deployment. We'll share what we can, when we can. But normally, there's plenty of lead time and planning factors for those employers. Uh, but if you're looking at hiring somebody from the Guard, if you look at what you're getting, you're getting a proven work ethic. Um, we have part-time employment. Obviously, we're the vast majority, two-thirds of our organization are part-time. Um, but you're being a part of the community. Um, we're a cross-section of Vermont. Everybody we see, we've got teachers, you know, like Mike was formerly a teacher. We still have uh, school teachers, doctors, attorneys, um, plumbers, trades. I mean, it, it's it's a little bit of everything. So you take them from all walks of life. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I would look at my own experience. I mean, if, you know, Mike referred to, you know, his experience, I, I've been doing this for 39 years. That was not my plan. Yeah. But when opportunities come, you take them, and that's I've been very fortunate. I, mean, I joined the military as an E1. You don't get any lower, and I had no college. And then you fast forward to now, I've got a bachelor's degree and two master's degrees, and that's because of the Guard. Awesome. Uh, my guest this afternoon, uh, Major General Greg Knight with the Vermont National Guard, Adjutant General, as well as uh, Captain Michael Arkovic. He is the public affairs officer. And we've got open phone lines. If you care to join us here, uh, they'd love to talk with you, 244-1777 or 1-877-291-TALK. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, more conversation right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. Waste and resource management industry is a complex, integrated system that many people in communities take for granted. Trash, recycling, compost, we're all familiar with the terms, but maybe not the truths behind the waste industry. Want to learn more? Beyond the Bin is a podcast by Casella, which shines a light on what really happens to our waste and recycling. If you're interested in environmental sustainability and renewable resources, then check out this podcast. You'll learn about waste and recycling, meet members of the Casella team, and one episode even deals with beekeeping. Check it out online at www.casella.com forward slash beyond the bin. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Welcome back to Travels with Charlie. I can't remember the name of the song. It's Derek and the Dominoes or Eric Clapton. It is Eric Clapton. You got that part right. Uh, Corm behind the glass here this afternoon. It is Major General Cream. He got it. Yeah. In the white room. Showing, I, had showing, that part. I think I had that show, part of it, didn't I? Showing my age. <laughs> he did know it, that it was Eric Clapton. Uh, welcome back to Travels with Charlie. Uh, glad that you could join us here this afternoon. We're going to re- continue our conversation uh, about uh, the National Guard with uh, the Major General in here today, Greg Knight, Adjutant General of uh, the Vermont National Guard, along with uh, with Michael Arkovic, Public Affairs Officer. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the economic impact that the Guard has here in Vermont. Sometimes I think people lose sight of that. I know a lot of that argument came up when the F-35s, when they were talking about uh, having them stationed here in Vermont. And some people said, well, we don't want them. And, you know, if you move them out, that economic impact that we would have lost had that happen is huge. Well, right now, the Vermont National Guard, if you look at for their federal payroll and benefits that come into Vermont last year, for instance, was about $160 million. So that's a significant impact on our Guard members, um, on our families. 
you know, the benefits that they receive and certainly to our, our larger community. You know, in addition, if we look at – and Vermont is a very small number, comparatively speaking, about 4,000 military retirees. But even that small number brings in $127 million in retirement benefits to Vermont every year. So that's – that's uh, Look, rehab, that's compensation, pension, that's education benefits. Um, that's what our Vermont Department of Veterans Affairs works on. Uh, they've got specialists that work to grow that and make sure our veterans are taken care of every year. If you look at what the fighter wing does, like I said, they're overseas, and, and that's part of our national defense strategy. Right. Given our location, they were able to take that mission, and I would offer that it was 90 days after converting officially and receiving operational status at F-35. Not even 90 days later, they got that mission. Hmm. And within 30 days, we're up and out and overseas flying missions. And that's pretty remarkable. That, to me, speaks to their professionalism and their work ethic. Hmm. 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255. Questions, comments, love to hear from you today. As you mentioned, the uh, the F-35s, uh, which are stationed here in Vermont, uh, Florida has um, some members up here. They've brought some F-35s up here. They're here for training. In fact, they're going to be wrapping that up in a few days. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, this mission? So we've got a, a really good relationship with our active duty counterparts at Eglin Air Force Base. They actually hosted our jets there while our facility was under construction. So they're going through the same thing there. They're having some runway and ramp uh, construction. So we're, we're returning the favor and hosting them here. And it's great, again, to highlight the interoperability of the Air National Guard with our active duty counterparts. So are, are they up here for uh, uh, training or is it just here because uh, they're working on the, their, their strip? Well, one will get you the other. I mean, yeah. they have they have flying hours that they have to keep up, and it's uh, the training for the air crews, training for the pilots. All of that is part of it. Uh, they need to keep training. So you just can't stop for three weeks because it it really screws up their timeline and, and some of the certifications that they have to maintain. Yeah. They have to fly every day. Am I correct? Our, our schedule for flying yeah. Yeah. Uh, normally um, we don't fly Mondays. I think today may be an exception because of Eglin being here, uh, but normally we'll fly four days a week and then one for a weekend um, during the month. Yeah. What can you tell me about this state partnership program? You mentioned a little bit about uh, that during the break. Yeah, so it's it's um, it's an incredible program. It's one of the, the most significant things I've had the, the honor of being a part of. Um, it starts as a military-to-military relationship. The Guard is unique because we don't offer just military-to-military. It also addresses our, our response in case of civil emergency, the domestic emergencies that we deal with here, like covid like some of the uh, natural disasters. Right. And we'll do exercises with Senegal. We'll do exercises with North Macedonia and, and soon Austria. Um, we'll do tabletop exercises. We'll do, you know, response scenarios with them. So it's it's pretty all-encompassing. For me, what, what I find fascinating is the potential, and we exemplified this a year ago, June. Uh, we brought Lieutenant Governor and Secretary of Commerce with us uh, to North Macedonia. And it touches everything. Besides mill-to-mill, it's commerce, it's trade, it's community development, it's environmental conservation, food and fuel security, all the things that Vermont does really well. Um, I I mentioned earlier, you've got Casella coming in. Right. What a great opportunity for us to to build those inroads, and and we do solid waste management really well. I think our partners would derive great benefit from that. Um, Let us bring over some subject matter experts and share what we know. I mean, it's, it's mutually beneficial, uh, and that, we again, was exemplified in May when the governor hosted a roundtable, and we had Secretary of Commerce, Secretary of Agriculture, and the Secretary of Education with the Minister of Defense and her team, and we had three Vermont leaders in renewable energy as part of that conversation. Nothing to do with mill-to-mill. 
We were talking earlier about uh, Captain Arkovich's um, past. Uh, he served as a school teacher for about nine years and now full-time with the Vermont uh, Guard. In fact, you mentioned uh, um, off-air that you received your master's degree in Kosovo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I was, so I was part of the deployment to Kosovo uh, as the 172nd Public Affairs Detachment Commander and um, I had been sitting on finishing my master's for eight years. Um, I was going to be – my goal originally was to be an athletic director, and uh, that was all part of the uh, the, the fallout of um, kind of you know moving on from being a teacher and joining the gar- uh, full-time guard. And so I needed one more class, and um, I decided to knock it out when I was in Kosovo. So now I have my master's in athletic administration. That, wow. Uh, I probably won't use for – well, if I do use it, it won't be for a while. So, <laughs> so certainly very diversified uh, backgrounds between you and the Major General. And I, I think he has a longer resume than you. He's a little bit older than you, but um, served in the Coast Guard. Uh, um, the one that I find interesting, and I just found this out recently, is that you were a Burlington police officer for about four years. I did that for four years, and then I went uh, as the liquor investigator, which is chief liquor investigator, um, for Vermont, I did that uh, for seven years before I went full-time guard. Can we touch a little bit on on uh, law enforcement and what we're seeing nationally today uh, in law enforcement and, and specifically in Burlington, your alma mater? Uh, uh, you know, the, the the police force is down to somewhere around 50 officers uh, and what we're seeing, you know, the crime rate there. And it just seems, you know, nationally a lack of respect for police officers. Can you talk to that just a moment? It is a tough job, and I wish I could look back and say, boy, I miss it. Um, I miss the people, but God bless them for doing that job. Um, they're the folks that, for me, they're kind of standing in the breach. Uh, it's a tough job. Certainly there probably needs to be some change in law enforcement, but let's make it educated change. Yeah. Um, but right now the crime rate, and the, I think what strikes me the most, and I see it, is the incivility um, between people. Uh, I just find that, you know, in some cases, incredibly egregious, yeah. uh, and that's – just treat people the way you want to be treated. Right. Uh, it's just not that hard. And you talk about recruitment efforts, uh, you know, within the military, but, uh, you know, and I'm seeing this uh, within law enforcement. Recruitment numbers are way down, and it's it's difficult to recruit. How, how can that change? Well, I think we need to stop being so polarized. Um, there, in my perspective, this is just Knight's perspective, 80% of us are probably somewhere in the middle, and who has the messaging are the folks at either end of that spectrum. Um, how do you get a straight news story now? Yeah. Uh, to me, it's more opinion than it is news. Much more. So, you know, let's have a conversation. I've invited anybody. Look, this is not Area 51. This is the guard. Come see us if you want to be part of something bigger than yourself, which I think is what this generation, our prospects to join the guard, are really looking for. Incentives are great. We don't lead with incentives. They'll be there if this is something that you want to do. And like I said up front, it's not convenient. I, I will not tell anybody otherwise, but it's rewarding, and you make a difference. If you look at what we did for COVID, if you look at what we did across three different combatant commands with the Army National Guard with 950 of our members for a year, you know, working through resettlement of 12,000 Afghan refugees coming through our combatants, our combatant commander and central command, that was the, our guard that did that. Uh, people don't see that. Uh, this has to be a job where you feel a real sense of accomplishment because when you go out, you've got a mission and you accomplish it. And that's something that I take great pride in this organization, um, their work ethic and what they've been able to do. And there's so much to tell. We don't have enough time on this show. And that's why I started 
every six months I will send a legislative update. And I'll send that out to anybody. And in fact, I'll talk to Mike when we're done here. We'll put it on our webpage. So if people want to know in detail what the Guard does for the past six months, yeah. I've got another one coming out in August. Um, I, I share pretty much everything that I can share. You have an open house coming up. Who wants to talk about that? Uh, Captain? Uh, no? The, the huh? open house is this, this is the. I've been doing in this organization for 33 years. And it's, this is the first time ever I think that we've done an open house of this scale. Um, to me, I, I, my term for it is you've got to put a face on the monster. Come see us because we're you. We're, we're, we're a cross-section of Vermont. Right. Come see what we do and, and talk to the, the folks that are actually doing the job. And if it's something that interests you, well, come see us. It costs you nothing to ask questions. Um, but a great opportunity to see all the capabilities of the Guard, our capacity, the professionalism, the level of education that our members have. But come see us. Sunday, September 11th. So Sunday, September 11th at 10. Yep. And at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we will be doing a, a repeat, a, a retreat ceremony um, in honor of those who lost their lives at 9-11. Mm -hmm. We're going to break uh, in just a moment. Uh, but first, uh, let's go to the lines here. Uh, Brian from Eden wants to talk hey. with you. Hey. Hi. I don't want to put these guys on the spot. They're being really good about sticking up to their people. They're probably not trying to toot their own horns too much, um, and I realize they have to be very diplomatic. But the word is, uh, in a lot of, not just the United States, but in other countries too, the uh, National Guard level of military is kind of looked down on by a lot of professional soldiers. And I have to say, the word on this, you know, out there in the U.S. is the Vermont Guard is looked up to as an elite. And I realize they have to be diplomatic with the other commanders, but that is what people say. And I just don't know, if, I mean, from such a small state, I just don't know if the average Vermonter knows what an amazing, amazing uh, group we have here. That's all. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for your call. Major General, maybe hey, a chance thanks, to comment? Thanks for that observation. And, and you know, it's a great point, and there's always going to be inter-service or, or inter-component rivalry. I will tell you... Um, if you look at the history of our Guard, and especially the past 20 years, having been to war with our active duty counterparts, there's no difference. The training is no different. Uh, but you're right. Uh, Vermont is unique. I think we do more than was asked of us. We've been to the U.S. Capitol twi twice, once on January 6th, by request. The second time was, was during the, the trucker convoy that was coming in. Yeah. They called Vermont specifically. Um, I speak to the governor. It's a mission. We're going to go do it. Yeah. Uh, again, hard on our members, but I think it speaks volumes um, on what we're capable of and, and the work ethic of our folks and their professionalism. But there's always going to be a little bit of a rift. The, sure. the real ugliness of it, it happens budget season, Capitol Hill. Yeah. What's the ratio of funding to the Guard and Reserve as opposed yeah. to active duty? Well, thank you both for, for joining me here in studio today. And obviously, uh, thank you for your service, Captain Michael Arkovich and uh, Adjutant General, Major General uh, Greg Knight here in studio on Travels with Charlie. Thank you both for being with me today. Again, the open house that you've got coming up, Michael, if you want to give us the information, people can, do uh, you, you need to sign up or just he head on over there? No, it's free and open to the public. It's at the 158th Fighter Wing in South Burlington. Um, Sunday, September 11th at 10 o'clock. And uh, you can also visit our website, 
Um, and I can actually share that link with you. But uh, you can visit our website uh, to get more information. All right. Thank you both for joining me here today. Coming up next, it's the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. And congratulations to these guys. They, they aced uh, trying to uh, stump the band today. <laughs> they, they did it. Coming up next, uh, Sam Nikolai from Casella Waste right here on Travels with Charlie. When I'm on the road, I don't have to look very far for a place to fill my gas tank or my belly. Jolly Convenience Stores, with over 40 locations to choose from, makes it easy. Fuel for your car, fresh-made sandwiches, soft drinks, hot coffee, pastries, friendly service, and even creamies. Jolly Convenience Stores supports your community by sponsoring events, veteran organizations, and more. That's why I support them, and you should too. Stop in today. Jolly Convenience Stores, home of the Daily Smile. I may have to call the troops back. <laughs> I know this one. Travels with Charlie. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me here. Corm trying to stump me with... Uh, I'm going to have to defer to you, Corm. I, I I think you've stumped me on this one. ELO. ELO, yes. Fire on high. Yeah, Electric Light Orchestra. Jeff Lynn from Electric Light Orchestra. Welcome back to Travels with Charlie. Thanks for joining me here today. Uh, it's time for the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Sam Nikolai, Vice President of Engineering and Compliance, joining me today on the phone line. Sam, you could have jumped in and saved me if you knew that song. Did you know it? I didn't, Charlie. I, I think I've heard it, but... I couldn't go back far in the memory bank so oh, to figure it out. Yeah, just one of those songs. It's a, you know, it's a great lead up to the to the vocal, and it's uh, used so often in bumper music. Well, thank you for joining me here today. Today we're going to talk about uh, they're referred to as PFAS. P F A S. Correct me if I get it wrong. Polyfluoral alkyl substances. Correct. Spot on. I think you deserve a degree in chemistry. All right. So they're, they're widely used, long-lasting chemicals, components of which break down very slowly over time. That's not good. So what are some of the products that contain PFAS that uh, people might know about? It's surprising how many different products you know these PFAS compounds have been used in all the way back to the 1940s. Probably the, the biggest are the, the stain-resistant fabrics, especially things like carpets and furniture and your jackets, uh, but also non-stick cookware, uh, different types of packaging, paints, cosmetics. It's really a long list of, of products. Um, and again, we've been using them essentially for decades and decades at this point. Um, you know, pretty much everybody has got products with these compounds right now in their homes, in their cars, um, you know, in the products that they use every day. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, these products take a very long time to break down. We're talking with, uh, with Sam Nikolai of Casella Waste. And when it's time to, that product has served its purpose and it's time to get rid of it. Well, you know, safe and effective management of the disposal of these products is very important. What can you tell us about it? Certainly, the, this, the same uh, you know reduce, reuse, recycle applies to these kinds of products that they would anywhere else. So, you know that's where we want to start. Try to make sure that you know we're making our products last. Uh, we're, we're using them where we can, and, and then going to recycling. Um, but ultimately, you know, all these products, all these carpets and furniture and these consumer products, you know, they eventually do find their way into our waste streams. Uh, and so, certainly, we've got to manage these correctly. Um, you know, we know that uh, the safe 
proper landfill disposal will will take these products, you know, bind them up into the landfill, and really ensure that those materials can't go anywhere. Right? The the PFAS was used because it's water repellent or has those kinds of properties. So it doesn't want to leave these products. It wants to stay on the products. So if we can get the stuff properly disposed, get it into the landfill, get it properly taken care of, it's a great place for it to be. And that way, you know, we're not getting that PFAS, you know, back out into our mm. environment. So Sam, uh, it, it can it cannot be recycled. Am I correct? Well, the products themselves, depending on what was applied, you know, could could be recycled. You're, you're certainly not going to get the PFAS back off of any of the products, and so it's just going to be on that product, and wherever that product goes, you know, the PFAS will certainly follow. Um, so certainly that's a challenge, and again, that's why that, that proper disposal and landfill capacity is just so valuable to us as a, as a society and as a state here. So for more information, Casella.com, Casella.com, but let me ask you, Sam, what can we as consumers do? Because we can't just, you know, you need to rely on us a little bit, too, to do our job. Yeah, so it's a great point. You know, we've been very active as Casella trying to talk with not only regulators and legislative bodies and say, hey, number one, manufacturers have got to stop using these products, right? We've got some voluntary bans on a few of them. Uh, doesn't necessarily apply to foreign manufacturers. So number one, we've just got to make sure these products aren't being used. And then number two, it should affect your buying habits. If you haven't already, there will come a day that you'll go into the store and you may see certain products you know, labeled as PFAS-free. And so you can choose what to buy and, and, and um, you know, where to spend your dollars. And if you can ensure that you aren't purchasing you know, PFAS-containing products, then you don't have to dispose of PFAS-containing products. And that's a decision that each and every one of us can, can make and, and really help contribute to, to stopping these materials from being used and being sold. Absolutely. More information, go to casella.com, casella.com for more information. Sam Nikolai, Sam, thank you for joining me today on the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Thanks so much, Charlie. We very much appreciate the opportunity. All right. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Julie Lane from Snow Farm Winery. But first, I've got to tell you about uh, Catamount North. Custom truck caps, 65 Dorset Lane in Williston. My friend Tom Frechette has been doing this for over 35 years. If you are a plumber, electrician, carpenter, uh, you need uh, racks for your, you know, the ladders on your truck, opening side compartments uh, on your vehicle, commercial caps, tonneau covers, truck caps, racks uh, for your ladders, as I mentioned, uh, custom builds. You know, you tell them what you need, they'll make it for you. And they've got the Ranger Design van interiors with slide-out shelves and more. A lot of bakeries use these. They slide uh, the product out. Catamount North, the truck cap retailer of choice, located at 65 Dorset Lane in Williston. They're online at catamountnorthvt.com. They do great work, uh, and they're great people, too. You know, they give back to the community. They're proud sponsors of Toys for Kids, Wounded Warrior Project, and others. Open Monday through Friday from 8 to 5, Saturdays from 8 to 2, closed on Sundays. They're on Facebook and Instagram, and they have thousands of satisfied customers. Find out why 
Catamount North, custom truck caps, catamountnorthvt.com. Back with Julie Lane next, right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. Whether you're traveling for a vacation, planning a business trip, or have a global company looking for a strong Vermont-based company to align with for business and meeting management, Milne Travel is a trusted local partner, and they've been one since 1975. Milne Travel is one of the top travel companies based in New England. Featuring educational tours, vacation travel, or corporate solutions, let their travel specialists search the lowest airfares exclusive to the travel industry for you. Guaranteed. We're all getting ready to travel again. Save time and money on your next trip. Go to www.millentravel.com. Skinnerd. <laughs> Easy enough. And I, I'll bet you my, my next guest knew that song as well. They're certainly associated with music every Thursday night in the islands up in South Hero. Welcome back to Travels with Charlie, our continuing series, Vermont Grown. By the way, I want to remind you, if you'd like to be featured or you know of a business here in Vermont uh, that would like to be on Travels with Charlie, you can contact WDEV Radio here or just simply email me, cpapilloradio at gmail.com. So let's head up to South Hero, Snow Farm Vineyard. Julie Lane is on the phone line with us today. And Julie, uh, Corman and I are here having a little glass of wine as we uh, we speak. We hope, hopefully you're having one as well. Good afternoon, Julie. Hello, Charlie and Corman. <laughs> I'm sitting here with my son, Nick uh, Lane, also. Uh, he wanted to join in. Um, and uh, we're loving the day today. It's nice and hot and sunny, and that's what Grace loves. So It is a yes. gorgeous day. And, and Nick, welcome to uh, Travels with Charlie as well. Good to have you on board with your, with us here. Julie, I know you're celebrating your 25th anniversary. Uh, the Lanes have not been there for all 25 years at Snow Farm Winery, but certainly taking uh, the lead and really bringing it uh, to a whole different level. Is Snow Farm Winery the first winery in Vermont? Am I correct on that? Um, yes. Uh, my husband's looked it up, looked up records, um, and we're Harrison Leibowitz and Molly Leibowitz with Patrick Barley, the winemaker, uh, started the vineyard um, in 1997. Really, it was a dream the years before that. Lots of work with um, Fred Lane and buying the land from them that was going to be suitable uh, weather-wise in the Champlain Islands for growing these very unusual grapes. So, yeah, we're proud of that. First commercial vineyard, proud of having unusual grapes that are successful in the Champlain Islands, and um, proud of uh, 25 years for sure. It's been a really great 25 years. Dave and I are on board uh, for 10 of those. And how many varieties, how many types of wine do you have right now? 15. I think we're, Nick and I are looking at each other because what happens this time of year, the end of July, beginning of August, is when we start to bring, bring out our really uh, scrumptious reds. The reds take a little bit longer. Um, so we're looking at 2021 reds being uh, bottled right now in the vineyard. Our Petite Pearl, our uh, Leo Milo Reserve, our Leo Milo Reserve, by the way, when you have reserve on a label, it means that our winemakers take a special care of them. They're a special part of the vineyard, and there's a little special oak um, that goes into that. So reds are always popping out. I, right now we've got 
12 on our list, but that's going to get a lot higher by the end of August. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the one of the popular wines that you have that I guess you could probably only make here in in the North Country is an ice wine. Maybe you know Nick or or, or Julie, you can tell us a little a little bit about an ice wine. How does that come about? Well, the ice wine is a very popular. Um, very popular product. Yeah, it takes the climate. It takes the the freezing temperatures late in the fall and even into early December for the grapes to stay on the vine and actually see a hard frost um, for a certain number of hours to really kind of not zap because uh, that's more associated with heat, but to freeze the fruit. And... Um, release the residual sugars that are there and and catch them. So you're harvesting these, these dried up little raisins that have this very sweet um, juice in them. So we harvest and press that, and that is how you make the ice wine work. It's a very popular product of ours. We're currently sold out of it. Actually, it's been so popular. Uh, we do have our late harvest Vignol, which is a similar um, – Similar process, you know, it's harvested after kind of the peak ripeness of the fruit. And we're also going to be using that same grape, the Vignol, to do a 25th anniversary wine with that should be released uh, around August 6th. Very nice. Uh, um, Describe the ice wine. It's kind of a, it's a sweet wine, right? Yeah, sweet, sweet dessert style wine. Romance class, really, how I describe it. Let's talk about. We're talking with a day, rather with uh, with Nick and Julie Lane from Snow Farm Winery. They're located in South Hero, celebrating their 25th anniversary. They have a big event coming up on August 6th. We'll get into that in just a moment. But got to talk about uh, the summer concert series, which you guys do. It's one of Vermont's most popular Thursday night events, attracting thousands of people, featuring some of Vermont's most popular bands. It's about 14 weeks every summer. You're right into it. Uh, um, and just packing the place with some unbelievable bands. How far in advance do you have to book these acts? Um, well, what I usually do is I tell the bands that I'll start calling them January 1st of, of every year. And I do really appreciate our local bands. Uh, a lot of people will come by and they're traveling up from Kentucky or something like that. But I want to really promote um, the bands that we have right around us. There's so much talent here in Vermont that um, one or two bands will be somebody new that we're we're having, but people always ask to hear Nobby Reed coming up this Thursday. He has quite a following, um, of course, Quadra and and, uh, Blues for Breakfast. But, um, yeah, I try to really stick to the locals, and they love it. They can play out. Mm -hmm. You know, where else can you sit in a field? Uh, enjoy great, uh, you know, food trucks, uh, great wine, uh, and listen to music, uh, as you mentioned, from bands like Quadra, Phil A. Bear Band, Carol Ann Jones and the Superchargers. Uh, and just this past year, I know that you also hosted an event with uh, Jamie Lee Thurston. With, and it wasn't an acoustic event. It was actually, you know, the full band. Yeah, we were really proud of that. We contacted him and said we want to throw out some some really special for our 25th anniversary so he's really a rising star he's our Vermonter, local Vermonter of course he plays all around here in different bars um, but he's uh, living right now in um, Nashville of course yeah. and 
producing and writing lots of songs. So we were lucky to have him on June 4th. That was a big turnout. So COVID certainly slowed things down a bit for you, but, uh, you know, now back to full operation. And Nick, I, I want to talk with you because I know you're, you're heading up the, the wedding and, and banquet uh, side of things at Snow Farm Winery. Uh, you've got a large tent there for people that have never been there before, full liquor license, uh, uh, you know, many different, uh, you know, food vendors and, you know, full disclosure, Pizza Papillo, Friends with Elaine's, uh, our pizza wagon has been there many, many times for the concert series in the past and, and now for many weddings and rehearsal dinners, uh, uh, you can get married on site. There's a scenic vista there. There's a bed and breakfast. I'm telling uh, the whole story here. Uh, Nick, you tell us more. Yeah, you summed it up pretty well, Charlie. Um, and, uh, yeah, Pizza Papilla, definitely a, a favorite, uh, vendor of ours for food vendors as we do what we're good at at the vineyard, which is showcasing all of our wines. In addition to, like you said, a full bar, um, with spirits, we do highlight a lot of, uh, Vermont spirits, um, and Vermont beers, uh, and even some craft sodas, you know, trying to get away from the, the big, uh, bigger commercial sodas, but just trying to keep everything, you know, local to New England as much as possible. Well, it's a great uh, location, and as you mentioned, you know, you've got the bed and breakfast uh, just, you know, within walking distance of the vineyard, you know, bride and groom, some family members can stay there. Uh, there's also, which I haven't seen it yet, I know you always tell me, you know, check it out, but, you know, the scenic vista where where many couples get married. Tell us about that, if you would, please. Oh, yeah, up on top of Fox Hill, we have uh, uh, a really short walk to the old hayfield, Um on the side of Fox Hill, which is the highest point in Grand Isle County. And it, it celebrates a, a great space with uh, outstretching views of Lake Champlain and the Green Mountains on one side and uh, the Adirondacks on the other. We've had a really nice occasion where one son got married up there on Fox Hill. Uh, the other son I'm sitting with right now got married down at the, um, we're calling it the Snow Farm Inn now to really make a great connection for our 25th anniversary, Snow Farm Vineyard, Snow Farm Inn. Um, um, Nick and his wife got married on the waterfront at, at the inn. So that's So you've got a fundraiser uh, celebration coming up on August 6th, and I'd like you to talk a little bit about that. That's an all-day event. It's not just in the evening. From 1 to 8.30, you've got a number of bands. Uh, Julie and, and Nick, if you would tell us about that event on August 6th at Snow Farm Winery. Well, it's going to be a little bit different than the Thursday nights in that we're asking for, um, so we're, we're doing the event to celebrate 25 years of grape to glass experiences on the West shore of South Hero. But we wanted to also give back and celebrate our community and the Champlain Islanders developing essential resources or the, the cider organization. Um, who does a lot for our community. We're, we're asking for, uh, 10, 10 bucks, $10 at the door that would go towards, um, that organization, 100% of that. So it's a suggested donation. No one's going to get turned away. Yeah. Um, but there's, and the, the other thing that's different is it's going to be a little bit longer of day for music. We have four bands. So Buck Hollers starting things off, followed by Better Days and Nobby Reed and Quadra, 
Oh, man. Um, so you're, you're bringing the big hitters in for this event. Again, this one, as you mentioned, uh, you know, $10 donation. And as we were talking about the other events every Thursday night, that's free. You just show up. Uh, simple as that. I want to thank you both for joining me here today. Congratulations. Uh, celebrating 25 years in the islands. Snow Farm Winery. Snowfarm.com. If you'd like to find out more information, if you'd like to book an event there or just head on up on a Thursday night, you'll see Nick, you'll see Julie, and you'll hear some great music. Thanks, guys, for being with me today, and I'll see you soon. Wait, I want to just butt in with one more quick thing, <laughs> sure. uh, Charlie, that we're missing seeing you and Debbie uh, just sitting on the grass enjoying a concert. We want to invite you and everyone that's listening to come on up, uh, whether it's concert night or seven days a week, we're open 11 to. All right. We'll be up uh, soon. Thanks again, Julie and, and Nick from Snow Farm Winery. Travels with Charlie, sponsored by Casella Waste, Jolly Convenience Stores, Mill, Travel American Express. Theme song written and performed by Billy Bratcher, executive producer Brad Ferlin. I'm back with you on August 15th. Steve Cormier behind the glass, and I'll see you in my travels. <laughs> <laughs>